Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam and Kenny, and today we're going to be talking about Hero, a 2002 film directed by Zhang Yimou. It stars Jet Li, Tony Leung, Maggie Chung, uh, Chen Daoming, Zhang Ziyi, and Donnie Yen. Um, I don't think I really need to give this one a synopsis, because I think virtually everybody's seen it. Uh, but it's basically about a an assassin who's trying to kill the the uh, the king of Chin, and it it's sort of uh, told in an interesting way with a series of flashbacks that are shaded with different hues, and um, and so yeah, so why don't why don't you guys just uh, give me your your opinions on the movie before we start? I really enjoy this movie, but I'm not sure if it's because, um, you yeah, know, it's like nostalgia goggles going on here. Like, I remember watching this, uh, yeah, I wasn't that young as my teens back then. Like, it was a uh, relatively new movie back then, and I thought that the use of colors and stuff was very impressive, and the choreography, like, was really tight. I, I think I think it's top-notch. Like, well, I should say, tight, the, yeah. the, the fight choreography is by Ching Sui Tung. Who's um, oh, yeah. uh, he? I know he was at least one of the fight choreographers, and he 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 did a lot of really good fight choreography in uh, in the eighties and nineties and stuff. So, but I'm sorry, go on. Yeah, and I, I and you know, it's like my first exposure to the story was like, oh wow, I didn't, you know, it, it was sort of unexpected the way they told the story, you know, through a flashback and then modifying it as you go along. So you have to build up the picture of a story in your head as, as the movie goes along. Like it, you know, it, it's so sort of strange because you sort of, you're given like a version of the story and then it changes as it goes, as opposed to regular structures where you pick up bits of the movie as you go along. Yeah. I, uh, this, I, I gotta say it's I'm the, the new guy on the podcast who's just been getting into the genre. And I've, this, this has been my introduction. This is one of the, few movies i'd actually seen before i started doing this podcast and i i enjoyed it a lot the first time i saw it and i'd say having seen it you know with more context to it and having a deeper understanding i it, it made it even more enjoyable and i i don't have the nostalgia issue of this being something i saw years ago so i i i just think it's a very solid movie yeah i i think i have a similar uh feeling that Kenny does in that I rem- it brings me back to a very specific time and place when I see this movie but I have to admit when I first saw this film when it, like when I first uh, me and my me and my well my girlfriend at the time uh, saw it on DVD from or probably maybe even VHS I don't know I mean it was probably DVD but we rented yes, it and DVD. saw it and I remember falling asleep uh, you know and got I got and I and so for years I was like oh here that's a boring movie um, and then when I started working on Wandering Heroes of Vogelgate, Dan, who's a co-designer, loved Hero. And he was like, I think that you were just really sleepy the night that you watched Hero. Why don't you watch it again? And, mm-hmm. and so I, 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 I watched it again and my, and, 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 and that turned out to be true. Um, uh, I, I found, or my opinion of it just radically changed in the intervening years. But I, I found that I, I liked it a lot more when I watched it you know, and I wasn't, you know, half asleep or something. So, you know, so, so again, uh, you know, I, I, I like hero. I, I still, I still think it's a bit slow. Um, so I have probably still kind of a, uh, I think my opinion is not with most people I've talked to on it. Uh, but I think it's undeniably a gorgeous movie and it's undeniably a very compelling film. And I think that the, uh, 
the way that it's shot is is uh, is incredibly striking. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. Um, but that that you know that was my my thought on the movie at least. So yeah, I I know what you're saying about the pacing. I mean, I I like the pacing, but I was thinking while I was watching it this viewing, I was I was thinking about it compared to like you know you know my. When I first got got into watching these movies with you, I was really amazed at how much plot most of these movies have packed into them. There's like, you know, like a typical Shaw Brothers movie is just bursting with plot. And this is this is just very sedate. I mean, it wouldn't this wouldn't I mean, I don't know if I want to pick this as a, a introductory movie to the genre for people because it is much more deliberately paced. Well, it um, and I can tell you when I fell asleep, I fell asleep in the <laughs> blue scene in the scroll room that's the scene i remember for, like that's like i could just re i'm very aware of that scene uh being on in the background as i was falling asleep um but oh. i think i think also it's it's the kind of movie at that time i remember i i had watched a lot of movies that were sort of shot like not not with the coloring style but in that with that pacing and that kind of music over the course of the 90s and so i think by that point i was maybe just more interested in things that were faster paced but um but I don't know. I, I mean, I enjoyed it this time. I really, you know, I had a, I had fun watching it, and I think it's a beautiful movie. Uh, I definitely have changed my opinion on it, but but I can't deny I fell asleep the first time I watched it. That's sort of a, um, you know, it's something that I, I have to own up to. Um, and I think yeah, just to pick up on the point that I mentioned about the the plot or the you know the the, the, the compared to you know other um, Wuxia movies like I wouldn't really classify Hero as a Wuxia movie like this is just my opinion I know that there's lots of debate on like what classifies as Wuxia or not but because it's not necessary for them to build a world in this case and there's no need to have like a, a wide cast of people to support the story it yeah. doesn't seem necessary to have to engage everyone yeah they don't have to try and fit um, what, how many women, women were there in that movie we watched? Like 20, 20 um, women generals. Oh, the 14 uh, Amazons? 14, 14 Amazons. <laughs> <that's the one. laughs> uh, yeah, it's not necessary to have all of them doing something and yeah, the, the ties between them and the relationships between the people. Yeah, we, we have like, uh, was it six people in this movie basically who had um, like a, that, a big yeah. role? So it, it, it can feel like there's not much. In, by, by the way of plot or the depth of the world but you know it doesn't seem necessary because this isn't the focus on this one it's like between just those people and very little about the world around them yeah no i it, well i mean that's I, I i guess i would i would still tend to think of this as a wuxia movie but it's interesting that you say that because that that is kind of, i mean it, it does feel different it definitely doesn't you know it doesn't feel like a lot of other wuxia movies do um it's kind of a i mean if i had to sort of like you know compared to things i'd say it's like a cross between ashes of time and crouching tiger hidden dragon it's got sort of a um it's got a it's got a it's got an artsy feel to it um but it all but it also uh it also does a lot of what crouching tiger hidden dragon did with the lightness kung fu the way that it was used in that movie where it was very slow and kind of I don't know what the word would be. Almost like liberating when you see them, when you see people take off, you sort of feel your spirit lift up. Um, mm. So I, I feel like there was a lot of that going on here. But um, but what why yeah. what but what is it about it that you feel makes it not feel like wuxia to you? I mean, yeah, I guess like it has the it sort of has the essence there. I mean, it has the the hero kind mm. of uh, you know the, the assassin in this case, nameless and. He has 
he does like like this kung fu. He has martial arts. He talks to people from around the world. He has friends, and and they all help him to try and accomplish a common goal type of thing. But it it feels like this movie is more about the the flashiness, like the, the visual impact, rather than the story. Like the story takes a second place to me because when I look at this movie, I I, I watch it to enjoy the blend of colors, yeah. the acting from the people, and you know, I, 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 and the the brilliant choreography like i mentioned like i, I really enjoyed the fight scenes in this one because everything just seems so tight and mm. um yeah they're, they're very well practiced um like if you slow down some of the fight scenes like everything is very precise and there aren't any sort of wasted mo- motions mm. where you know it's not done for the sake of making it look flashy it feels like you know it's part of a fight and sure it's fanciful um but it felt impactful to me in that sense yeah, I would say along that line that it feels like it's taking place in the universe that a Wuxia movie takes place in, but it's, it's you know, plot-wise conventions, it's not the same kind of story. So, you know, it's like I said, it's you have the same kind of characters, those abilities and things, but the, the plot structure does feel, I think it's just, it is, you know, genre, it's kind of difference between genre and setting, I suppose. It's the same setting, but not quite the same genre. And I think another thing for me then is also that you know the the the, the level of characters involved. So we we're talking at emperors and country level here, mm-hmm. and Wu to me never really means like that sort of top level character. Like it's about the common folk type of people. Like you know they're the commoners, the people who roam the realms and doing their own thing. And and you know when you get to sort of assassinating emperors and stuff. And, and where it's a entire focus of the movie, then it sort of brings it out of perspective for me a little bit. I mean, but, but see, I don't know. I feel like I, I feel like I feel like assassinating the emperor feels wooshy to me. Like I think of like the assassin, the movie that that Adam mentioned it, sort of reminding him of. Um, mm-hmm. That feel like that feels like a wooshy movie to me. And that, and but I, I for this one, I do kind of agree with you in that I think that it looks and feels way different than most other wooshy movies, and I think. If I, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. I'd have to think about it, but I think what I feel when I watch this is I feel a lot more like I feel when I'm watching a period piece, like a like a period drama set in like you know the ancient world, and so it, it has more of that feel to me, and and the and the wuxia stuff just happens to be there as well, but it's not as I don't know. It, there, there is something different about Hero, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd draw like a similarity, like a parallel between um, Hero and Red Cliff. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Yeah, but... yeah, Red Cliff's a good example of what I mean. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it definitely feels like a period piece. Like it's set in a historical point in time here. Yeah, the, the Emperor of Qin is. You know, a natural person, of course, and mm-hmm. he had countless assassins arguing after him, and you know, they probably picked one of them and just glorified you know, his, his achievements there, and I, I, I severely doubt that, you know, two people could storm the, the palace of the uh, of the emperor, or not the emperor at that point, I am, the, the king of Qin. But, that, but that's, why, that's why it feels wuxia to me, because they're mowing down yeah. people like lawnmowers, and, mm-hmm. uh, and the... But maybe that's why, because it doesn't feel there's any risk to them as a character, like, you sort of look at them as like level 99 characters in the game trying to storm through whereas in the Wuxia you know everything feels much more real and there's a tangible risk of death and you know in this case you know they only die when they first when they're faced by an equivalent opponent or 
uh, what was that, like 300 archers, basically. But, that's, but to me, that's Wuxia, because that's like, um, I mean, and, and obviously Shaw Brothers tends to be much more gritty, but like, a, yeah. but like the Condor Heroes, that was like the whole thing we were talking about with Condor Heroes, where it's like one guy equals like 120 or something. And, you know, like that, to, like that feels Wuxia to me. But um, but, it, but I agree with you about the Red Cliff comparison. The like, I, I don't know. It's just I, I think it's like lacking from the journey from beginning to end mm-hmm. here that doesn't make it quite Wuxia. Like if it was like if, if it included more bits about like ten years uh, that he spent training the sword, and and I feel like that would have made it more Wuxia for me. If that okay. makes sense. Like no, that... the fact that we just sort of picked up at this point where everything is already done, and it's just like the, this is like the climax of a Wuxia novel. It, okay. Or okay. A, a Wuxia story, rather. Sorry. Um, this would be the climax, and then we're sort of missing the beginning parts that would have made it more Wuxia for me. Well, what I what I what I think it, fe- it does feel like to me is it feels like a Wuxia movie made by somebody who'd rather be making a period film, like. A Redcliffe type movie. Do you know what I mean? Like that's I I, I feel like I kind of get what like I I kind of have a similar feeling to you, but I'm reluctant to sort of jettison the Wuxia um, uh, mm-hmm. label. Um, yeah, well, there. I mean, you know, when you when you say it's someone who'd rather be doing something else, though, I mean, there there is so much care put into the martial arts and stuff in this. I almost feel like you know, it's like. Uh, you know, it, it it seems like there's still some degree of of, uh, of caring for that, but I don't know. It's tough. To no, say. I I mean the the fight choreography is very well done. They obvi- obviously the, you know the, the director was interested in that. What I just mean is I feel I feel like there's something very stately about the whole the way the whole mm-hmm. movie is shot, and yeah. it, it just feels different than like a lot of Wuxia movie. It feels like it's shot more like a um, you know like something like Red Cliff or. Um, uh, the other movie that is based on something qu- on on similar on the same source material, uh, the Emperor and the Assassin, which I haven't seen in ages, but it's like the same basic story, um, and, uh, and and it's a little bit more faithful to the original the original material. Um, yeah, and I, I wouldn't like disagree. With, like I, I wouldn't argue with anyone who claims that this is Wuxia. Like this is just like it's, I, I can tell it's like, it's a nitpicking on my part, uh, and it's just a personal <laughs> opinion. It just doesn't. It, it, to me, it lacks something, but I can't like definitely put my finger on some or, or more of this. Like a whole lot of different little things that add together to me, which pulls it out of the Wuxia ballpark a little bit. Well, I will I will say this to you. I I definitely think there is a certain something in this movie that is. Uh, that feels different for sure than most of the other Wuxia movies that I, that I've seen. Um, and, and I think we could probably get into some of those things as well. I would be interested when we do get to house of flying daggers, you know, where people stand on that. Cause I feel like that feels way more like a Wuxia movie. Um, and so, uh, so anyways, you know, in terms of things that are different, uh, one thing that I was sort of wondering about is there's like an awful lot of stoicism, in this movie, like a lot of scenes where people are just blank or not revealing what they're thinking on their face. And I'm curious, I don't know uh, why people thought that might've been. Um, yeah, we definitely have the emperor and a, a nameless or a pe- playing a poker game against each other for, for a good chunk of the movie. But uh yeah, I, well, it's interesting because there is a lot of. I was thinking about that actually watching it. Because on the one hand, people are being very stone faced, but there's there 
I feel like the acting's good enough that people have these kind of blank expressions, but there's still like a lot of emotion coming off them. You can kind of feel the emotion that they're holding back. And, and, they, so, and they do bubble to the surface periodically. You do get the yeah. emotions coming to the surface, but it's, but, but I mean, it's, it's a lot more, it's just a lot more stoic um, than a lot of other movies. Um, and, and, yeah, and you, take, you take an actress like Maggie Chung, who we saw in Dragon Inn recently, you know, and she's usually mm -hmm. so animated. And then to mm -hmm. have her, you know, basically either sad or just kind of not revealing what she's thinking is, you know, it's a, uh, it's it's a very you know it's it's it, there's like a very stone cold look to a lot of the characters to the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wonder if that's just because like the the way the characters are written. Yeah, that they're all assassins. They're people who have basically thrown away their life for one particular goal, and they're sort of accepted. You know that life is it is what it is is and um, yeah there's no point in, like being excited too excited about anything because everything can end at any moment i know it's just uh, it, it, but they all seemed a bit depressed in the end <laughs> well i also was wondering maybe that's the way of signifying this is occurring in a much earlier time somehow like you know people are acting a lot more with like a, you know like a lot more uh guardedly about their emotions um but but i don't know i don't know um, but I have to say that like, even though their faces are very stoic, like I feel like the body language of all the character or, or all the actors um, did a ton to sort of convey their not necessarily their thoughts, but just how they're feeling. It comes across from the from the way they move their bodies and the way they hold themselves very well. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that a lot. Like, they're, 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 I mean, I'm looking at the scene right now where uh, where where Tony Long decides to uh, to to sleep with with his his disciple to 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 sort of get back at flying snow and and you know like he's he's not there's really not a whole lot of emotion on his face but the way that is the way that he's postured you you can tell sort of what the character is feeling um but so, that's interesting too because that's just the cover story not a scene that actually occurs well but, see, uh... no, that's that's <laughs> that's something that i was trying so when i was watching it and i didn't I didn't pay close enough attention on my, my additional viewings to, to sort of crack this, but I was wondering maybe as the story gets more true, the characters become more like real people. And in the earlier mm. stories, they're more stone faced because they're, uh, these are, this is like a, this is the assassin trying to describe something that didn't happen. And it's sort of like, if you've ever, if you've ever had to tell like a, kid like a story you know and you didn't have the energy to do it like you know it's yeah. just that kind of, i thought maybe that's what it was but that, uh, yeah next time i watch it i'm gonna have to think about the acting style and each story and well each version of the story and see if it if it evolves in some way because that's an interesting theory yeah i i wasn't able to really confirm or reject it yeah. uh, you know because I, I just found myself forgetting to pay attention to that detail uh, you know, yeah, well, you, I had to pay attention to the colors specifically this viewing. I'm like, I'm going to think about the colors the whole movie. And I got about like a third of the way and I just didn't think about the color. I mean, I, you know, I obviously appreciated them, but I, I just kind of got into the movie and I, I, that level, that level of analysis just fell away from me. <laughs> and a quick plug for, uh, the theme of our, of, of April is, uh, colors in movies. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. And I dropped the ball, but, uh, <laughs>
But uh, no, and that's I mean obviously that's one of the reasons why we're doing this one. But but that, I mean we should talk about the colors. I suppose that's obviously the most it's it's the most obvious thing about the film when you see it is the use of color. Um, yeah. You know I don't want to get too deep because I know you can really go down a rabbit hole talking about the meanings of the colors. But just in general, you know, like I mean that's it was it was bold. You know, having everybody dress in red and having red hued scenes for that mm-hmm. one section, then having you know the the blue and then the green and i think there was a a white sequence before that and it's kind of i feel like the scenes with the emperor kind of have a black tone to them like that seems to be um so i didn't want to say regarding the colors there so despite the fact that yeah but the the, the way the characters dress in the background tend to be very similarly shaded like it's never really unclear like what that like what where the actor and their costume begins and where the background ends. So uh, yeah, there's a lot. I feel like there's a lot of um, conscious thought put into that to make sure that it's still um, e- you know, viewable to to the audience as opposed to just uh, being done to make a statement or convey a particular type of emotion. Well, I think. Um, oh, go ahead, Adam. Uh, no, I wasn't about to cut in there. What were you going to oh, say? I, I was just going to say that. Um... You know, one I, I know that they uh, Christopher Doyle was the um, cinematographer they brought in for this one specifically because of his use of color, and I think I remember him saying something about that where, uh, and I, I can't I can't remember I- exactly what it was, but but I th- I don't know I think I think with the with the colors, it is interesting that you you can all you can even you can always sort of tell what the what the overall color tone is um and you can always keep track of individual characters within that color tone they don't nobody ever gets lost in the mix but i think yeah i think there's a lot of stark shadows in the lighting i think is part of it too it's like you know if you have if you have the characters kind of starkly lit you kind of have the shadows make them stand out you know that uh well, and I think, I think they did that's... use a lot of contrast too. Like, I think they would do like, like in the in the scene where they're fighting in the fall background. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're dressed in red, but the leaves are all yellow. And, yeah. You know, and and I think even in the blue scene, I feel like there were there were enough there was enough contrast between the blue and other shades that you were you were oh, seeing yeah. things very clearly. But um, but yeah, I don't know. I th- I I think with the with the colors. I don't know. It just, I mean, I mean, I know that it's sort of, you know, that a lot of it has to do. It's not really. I mean, people say it's points of view, but I don't think that's really what it is. No, because it because one of them's a blatant lie. The red the red story is just a blatant fabrication. And, yeah, this isn't this isn't Rashomon. They're they, yeah. they're trying to apply Rashomon yeah. to this movie, and that's a whole different thing. And uh, I do actually think there was some choice there because I feel like the, the red um, come yeah the the, the red. Um, theme comes during um the point where where nameless is trying to portray um uh broken sword and um and snow uh, what's the name again uh flying snow uh flying, flying, snow. flying snow as sort of like as emotional people like and yeah. red is you know mm. the, sort of the color of emotion yeah. right yeah. uh and then when the emperor is talking about it it goes to blue and blue is sort of like the cold color of logic and this is him sort of using <laughs> yeah. his thought process you know or, or based on what he knows of the characters and his understanding of how people act 
And I'm not sure what the other cars mean, but I haven't gotten quite that far yet. <laughs> it's just no, I, yeah. think, I think you're right. I mean, the, I think that the, the colors totally match what's going on in the scene. Uh, all I was saying is I just don't think that, that, the, that the colors represent points of view so much as, uh, you know, something else about what's going on. Um, you know, if, if it was simple point of view, then the red scene would have been true in a certain sense. But it really wasn't. It was him making up that story. And then the Emperor's, the Emperor's Blue was sort of his attempt to sort of figure out and, and analyze what had happened and, and speculate. And, and I feel like the, the scene with the white was sort of more like what really happened. And, and then the green is kind of like, I don't know, it's like the, I guess they're all flashback scenes, but it, it's, it's, the, it's the scene where, um, where Broken Sword sort of has this big revelation. Huh? Yeah, yeah revel- revelations or turning points in, yeah. in, in history where if he had made a different choice at that point then the the entire outcome of the history of kind would be different then <laughs> so, so i guess here's a question i had about that is the the thing that makes him decide makes broken sword decide that the the king of chin cannot be killed is his mastery of calligraphy he masters calligraphy we see him we see him get facial hair so we know time has elapsed as he, as he's, and, and, and he uh and he and he decides after he's examined you know the art of calligraphy that the king of chin shouldn't be killed and i'm and and i'm i'm thinking that that connects to what the king said about you know t- the 20 variations on a single character in calligraphy um and and how oh that's really confusing i'll be sure to get rid of that when i you know yeah that that was a really uh, a good point that leads into the ending too that you know he's thinking about i mean it does what his, what his motivations are to unite everything and and, and you know he's not i mean obviously he is trying to conquer everyone but it's as much just because so everything everything is unified he has this grand vision that was a nice way of revealing that in the story yeah, I do wonder if, like, the, yeah, the sort of calligraphy part was, yeah, yeah. There's also there was a point that there's twenty different types of ways of writing one character, and yeah, through combinations and permutations, you get thousands of ways of writing writing the same letter to someone, basically. <laughs> but there's like another point where I think maybe the study of calligraphy involves a lot of education, reading, and um, traditionally speaking. Pe- uh, like people in martial arts movies or wuxia movies, they don't tend to be like they tend to be martial artists and they, they dedicate their, their life to the sword this guy's 10 years to perfect his 10 step one kills um technique basically right as opposed to you know studying the book and like you know reflecting upon themselves and on the world as a whole uh which is generally you know for what scholars and and the men and the officials are expected to do whereas the you know people they're, they're martial artists are expected to be generals in the army and that sort of stuff. He's kind and of taking I, a Peach Blossom Island approach to us. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think like you know, maybe it's because like he he's had a chance to study so many different types of writing and and he's read so much that he he understands that you know well the, obviously the Chin Kingdom is now uh, is basically unstoppable. Uh, it's only a matter of time until they can conquer the rest of. Uh, China, but uh, yeah, uh, and unify under one rule, and under one rule would be it'll be better for everyone that, rather than trying to, you know, fight for the pride of of his own country and or for the vengeance of his lover. You know, all of that pales in comparison. 
So it, you know, I, I think it, yeah, the calligraphy part isn't just about the writing itself. I think the the education part is pretty important as well. Well, that's an interesting part too because there was a there was a movie called uh, I think it was called For Love of a Terracotta Warrior that um, uh, I think uh, Zhang Yimou starred in. I think he was the star. He wasn't the director. I think it was actually directed by uh, Ching Sui Tung. Um, but uh, let me just double check that because I do want to. Yeah, it was Zhang Zhang Yimou was the star in it. And Gong Li was 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 the uh, was the co-star, and uh, and Ching Sui Tung. Uh, was the director and so they're both involved in this project and that's about the same at least in the opening it's about the same king it's it's set it's set during the period of the same king and one of the things if i remember that happens in it is they have this whole thing where the officials are destroying books and they're arresting people who have like illegal illegal books because they're trying to sort of codify the language and codify knowledge um and so it's interesting to sort of see that strikingly different depiction of of the king in the hands of the same people. Um, well, it's funny because like it, it's only through sort of, and I think it's um, actually like sort of debunked that um, the Qin Emperor like burned all the books and buried like ten thousand scholars or whatever the the the, the anecdotes say, um, but. It does seem very fairly likely that um, he had to eradicate most schools, other schools of thought, in order to unify the language and um, yeah, and the processes across the entirety of China. So it, I don't know. It doesn't. It, it, it it's not out of like. It, it, I think it's probably what it, it, the characters are in line still there. I'd say in in, in mm. their actions. Okay, no, I, th- I think the ca- I, I think what's different is the the way that it's pre- the sort of the way that it's presented to the viewer. Um, whereas in t- in Terracotta Warrior, we're sort of seeing it from the point of view of people who are on the receiving end of this change. Yeah, yeah. And and in this movie, we're seeing it from the point of view of the Chin King, who you know he's sort of he's sort of you know he's sort of like a the way he's presented here is almost like a lonely, misunderstood man who. Is only under the only person in the world who understands him is the person that's trying to kill him, um, and uh, and he and and his only it, you almost get the impression that his only real friends are his assassins. Um, it's it's a you know it's it's a very sympathetic portrayal. Um, but but oh go ahead go ahead. I was thinking yeah that definitely sort of ties into the so called political undertones we we're talking about before the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, there you go. Oh yeah, no. So that was just you know. I just thought that was interesting. Was and it does. It does. I think I agree with you. It gets into the in the political stuff, um, where you know. I mean, in this movie is one of those films that, you know, there's it's 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 often viewed through the prism of 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 recent history, and and there's a you know a lot of questions about what it means politically. I I, I don't know that uh, that I'm qualified to weigh in there. But what I would say is I think if you look at all because this is really part of a series of films. There's this movie. There's uh, House of Flying Daggers and there's Curse of the Golden Flower. And I think when you see those in totality, if you are going to do a political reading, it's better to do it, you know, over the course of those three films than just with this one film as sort of the final message. Um, But uh, I don't know. We should probably get to the fights before we forget because we've gone 
30 minutes and we haven't even talked about the fight scenes except in passing um so i don't know what's what why don't uh starting with kenny what's your favorite fight scene in the movie uh it would have to be the fight with sky actually in the beginning of the movie like i don't know just something about that that fight scene just felt um like the, the spear movements were mesmerizing like i, I was just like I, had to, I i rewound that and watched it again just because you know uh, i was amazed at how they managed to interplay a sword and spear fight so well um I mean, that's not to say that the other the other fight scenes in the movie were bad. It's just like that was the that was the one that stuck out to me in particular. Like it, the the whole raindrop thing and and the sort of slow motion and the sort of mind battle they were going through and the the, the music in the background really helped as well. The tempo of the um, the zither or Guchin or whatever it was played by the blind blind man. And I just thought that was a yeah that that fight scene for me was definitely like one of the highlights in the movie. Yeah, I, uh, I I have to agree that that was uh, that was my favorite as well. It, it is it, it's just an amazing amazing fight scene, and uh, I, and I oddly I found the one that I, I I'd say my second favorite. Just to throw another one out there, I, I actually really like the uh, fight scene with flying snow and uh, and the uh, and, and broken swords uh, disciple. Who I don't know if she had a name. Moon. I think her name was moon oh, okay i never never caught her name but i know that that one i found very engaging too i mean that was particularly impressive for the setting and everything too that's one of the most memorable scenes in the movie i think for sure and i definitely yeah. would not argue with you guys i think that the uh the the fight with sky i think because it's donnie yen and jet lee you know like uh yeah it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a classic matchup and 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 they're you know the 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 choreography is good and also like all of the themes of the movie are kind of present in that scene so it you know one one thing i like about it is the sheath on the spear i don't know why but something about that is different i mean i'm sure i've seen sheaths on spears in movies before but this is the first time i really felt myself observing it and noticing it and the way mm -hmm. it was used and like sound is really important in this movie and something about the thump that that spear made when he hit people with it when it had the sheath on was was just gratifying i don't know why um but uh but yeah i don't know and i liked i liked the whole thing with like the chess being played and the music and them talking about how you know the fighting was sort of similar to music and 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 presumably similar to chess and then you know you can sort of extend that to calligraphy when they get there later in the movie so um so I think it kind of all it all kind of worked together, um, but it's funny because yeah, the, the the four the four arts of China are what uh, chess, um, the Guqin, calligraphy, and painting. But painting is the one that hasn't really shown up in this movie. Am I? Or was it that I missed that? I don't remember painting being. In I did movie. not see any painting going on. Yeah, we we definitely it's... saw calligraphy. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> calligraphy, chess, and music is what all sort of had had an appearance, but painting was the one that was missing from this one. Hmm. But, I don't know. I guess, could, we could, I guess could, we could say the color design of the movie was the painting. Oh, the the, the movie itself yeah. is the painting. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> that's the four ancient arts of China. In one movie. <laughs> and the uh, 
The other fight scene too is the the green fight scene in the audience chamber was pretty cool. I thought it had like I liked watching them just mow down guys to get to the audience chamber and then yeah. that, and then cutting shields like it was but that nothing. Was, but that was so enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. That was they they were that but that was the thing that see that's an important thing to convey in the film though because I like one one of the key details is that nameless can't do that he has to get the audience where he can be 10 paces in there and so mm-hmm. that's why it's significant from the emperor's or the king's point of view that 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 the these other characters were willing to to work with him and fake their deaths or, or in his mind actually die uh when they would have been better you know like like a better a better strategy on the service would have been to have them to go in and do that and clear the way and then have him come in with his super technique and and, and kill the king but um but well i think they already established that uh, broken sword would be unwilling to take part yeah. in that adventure so no that's true that's true so yeah. I, I i think like you know the, the, the it wasn't necessary that he couldn't like mow his way through all the troops but it was a riskier approach and that the safest way, you know, is that he knows that he can kill him within 10, 10 steps. So as long as he can get there, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a surefire bet as opposed to fighting his way through hordes of people and then um, having like a short window of time to try and assassinate the emperor who's alert to the assassination. Now, the emperor, you know, he, yeah, obviously he was inferior to um, Broken Sword when they were fighting, uh, but he is no slouch of a sword himself, you know. No, he, he's... If he can hold his ground for like for, for like twenty thirty seconds, like the entire of the army could have charged in and like. And in and, and in the real records of the histor of the historian account, the the guy that this is he's kind of based on, uh, who failed, but he actually did try to attack the emperor with a hidden dagger in the uh, in in like a I think it was some kind of uh, map scroll, and and the and the emperor kind of kind of managed to fend him off but he was sort of i think he was bumbling with his scabbard and then the 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 court physician came in and and, and cracked him with the medicine bag or something it was very it was almost comedic the way it was described in the it was very different from from what we see here uh yeah, a lot the, less uh, noble bro- sounding um yeah yeah the broken sword emperor scene though with their with their fight one thing i like about that is just the falling curtains the way it just it gives a perception of how fast it goes because when you know it's there and the the amount of time the movie takes is a long time between the cutting of the curtains and when they actually hit the ground you know and you kind of see them hit the ground you're like whoa it just it it was was just a great way to show the speed that they're actually moving at rather than the speed we're seeing them well that's what i liked about that scene was the the I liked the green contrasted with that gray stone. It just really created an atmosphere. And, yeah. and also seeing that the king was proficient, that he was capable of, of fighting, um, you know, and that, he was, and that he was an energetic person. He wasn't just some, you know, tired, you know, he, he, was, he was, you know, moving pretty briskly. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, what did you guys think of the, of, the, of the Lake Pavilion fight scene? The, the one that the, that the king thought was them just going through the motions that was sort of classic wish fight scene i think you know 
it's the whole skipping on water thing and then using the buoyancy of water, of a sword striking water to bounce yourself back up like it's that's all like fantastic and i guess it's because you know the, this is the emperor sort of the emperor the king at that point so i keep saying he's the emperor because he eventually becomes the emperor <laughs> so this is somewhat the king is sort of envisioning you know two top class swordsmen fighting they must be like dancing on water blades yeah. flying and <laughs> yeah well, I love how he's painting all of his foes as these really admirable people. And he's, you know, so he's saying you guys were honor bound to fight. So you must have done so. But you were just going through the motions, which is sort of the perfect way that you would imagine it happening if you if you admired both of them. And even like the love story, like like when he tells the love story, his version of it is that they're both very much in love. It's like a, it's, you know, like there's tragedy in there, but it's a, it's it's essentially an unbroken love story. And and so I, I kind of like that the king is just building up all of these people that are uh, that are his assassins when he when he, when he's able to characterize them. Um, well, when you think about it, he is kind of an idealist. It's like he wants to create this united kingdom. He wants to fix the alphabet so that there's like just a single letter for everything. And it's like it, it does kind of fit with his worldview. It's like he's this guy who's going to fix the world and, and make it perfect. <laughs> Now, the one thing I always remember about this movie are the are the uh, the court officials, and yeah. they look really striking. Like they they look to me, they kind of look like like uh, like insects the way that they're depicted. Like they're just sort of like a like there's something very unattractive about all these the 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 court officials. And I don't know if that's just me or if other people feel that they're sort of presented they that don't... way. Yeah, I mean, it's just just whenever we hear them kind of calling out and stuff too, it's like they just—I don't know—it's just there's just kind of this negative viewpoint to them overall. Like you know, at the end when they're they're calling for the execution and that kind of thing. I don't know. They, yeah, they just seem like no. You know, it has the, the part of the emperor being lonely. It's like these are the people he has around him all the time, and they're just they're just these nothings. They're they're shadows <laughs> that scream in unison and. Yeah, it's, it's funny because you mentioned insects, but it does seem like they have a hive mind. Because I, I, I don't think it'd be possible for a group of a hundred people to be simultaneously realize what the perfect phrase to shout at the <laughs> at the king would be at that moment in time and do it in unison. So, you know, it feels like they're all sort of pandering to him. And maybe, you know, like you mentioned about the whole loneliness thing. You know, it sort of makes sense that he these are people he, who serve him. They they're not people that he can treat as friends and equals and. <laughs> And they they exist only to serve his will, mm-hmm. and and because of that, they're giving him really grim advice. You know, we're going to spoil the ending, which I'm, I'm sure everybody's seen anyways. But we have to talk about it. Uh, you know, they they say you know execute him. You know, he cannot be trusted. Execute him. You know, and it's it's uh, you know at the end of the movie when Nameless uh, decides not to kill the emperor and sort of you know walk away, he then turns around and faces the, the king, uh, you know, against the the gate. And the soldiers have their bows drawn, and the and the uh, the court officials are the ones advising uh, the king to, to have him killed. Um, so so I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, I guess number one, the king's decision, but also the way that things end in the movie. It felt appropriate to me. I was I actually was quite impressed at the um, at, at the fact that he managed to. 
yeah, sort of die standing, I guess. Like, all those arrows pierced his body, but he didn't get, like, pushed back into the door and impaled there. You know, he managed to have a hero's death, as it were. And when they buried him, like, I, I, I did they, like, take, take the time? Like, obviously, there was a lot of arrows being fired there, and you can tell from the density of the arrows on the wall, he should have been a human porcupine. Yeah. So someone must have spent time and effort, you know, in terms of the story here, plucking these arrows out of his body so that they could be carried out and buried. Yeah. Yeah, this is one of the things that jumped out at me. But I don't know. I I felt like it was appropriate because, um, yeah, the 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 Chin Emperor was known for being. I think was he the person who sort of like advocated for rule of law. Um, yeah, basically the saying that I usually hear is, you know, if a king commits a crime, then he'll be punished um, the same as commoners do will be. Um. Although probably with a bit of liberties taken <laughs> as to what defines a crime for a monarch. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the fact that uh, that um, Nameless tried to assassinate the king, yeah, was obviously in violation of the laws, and he had to punish him yeah. in uh, in adherence to the laws. Otherwise, he would be a hypocrite, and that would sort of wouldn't necessarily. Oh, I don't know. I do think it would shape the foundations of his country and his convictions, as it were. Like if if he can't, you know, stick to his own rules, um, then he wouldn't have been able to be the person who united all the countries under one banner, type of thing. Yeah, the ending felt pretty inevitable to me. I can't, I can't think of any other way the movie could have ended and have been satisfying. Uh, it just had to happen that way. Yeah, I remember when I when I uh, when I first saw it without falling asleep, and I saw the 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 shape of his body in the wall with the arrows. I had yeah. a vague hope that they were just so precise that they fired. <laughs> and then, they showed the archer yeah. showed mercy and yeah, respect yeah. there. <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree. I think I think it had to end the way it ended. There, there really isn't there isn't another way to end the movie. Um, but what about with uh, the uh, uh, flying snow and broken sword characters because they also sort of meet uh meet an unhappy ending as well uh d- slightly different you know uh means but um i don't know it, it, that one is a debatable sort of ending for them like I can sort of understand the, the, the viewpoints of the characters there, and that you know, Flying Snow has wanted revenge against the Chin Emperor for so long; it's been her sole motivation. Whereas for Broken Sword, you know, his only motivation was to accompany um, Flying Snow through her journey. Like he, he didn't really have. Well, that's not true. Like he was a, a person of the Tao um, Kingdom, so he he had some sort of stake in the matter of being a, a national of Tao. Um, and the she wasn't looking to avenge his father like she was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She was so, definitely more bent on that than him by that point in the movie. You know, he 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 had let that go for sure. Yeah, and. <sighs> and it, it, it's a fitting ending for them as well because you know he, he sort of knows that she won't be able to be, be happy now because you know. It, he can't, you know, give her what, what she truly desires, which is like the assassination of the Chin Emperor and vengeance for her father, and then they can both retire to their their idyllic place where there are no swords and only a man and a woman. I think the quote was. Um, 
for me, you know, it, it's yeah, it, it fits in with the theme of the movie and that people will die for their ideals and people make sacrifices and, and such. Like, but the, the the way they committed the way that Flying Snow committed suicide was a bit odd. You know, just uh, <laughs> pushing the sword through his body into herself after he was dead. It was just a bit... <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's a little weird because those are the characters we keep seeing different versions of, too. So it's like I had... I, I, I felt a little a little disconnected from them just because we'd you know, gone through these multiple versions of their story already. But That is true. They... they... They're very like in one of them, you know, she's had an affair with Sky and he, you know, and he has sex with Moon. And they're, 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 I mean, they're like the, it's like the ultimate sort of unhappy marriage type situation, you know, where they're, yeah. where they're both trying to sort of get at each other. And in the, you know, in, and in the in the the king's version is the best one for them in terms of, you know, they're, they're, they're genuinely in love and there's really not a situation that's a problem. But the reality is, 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 I guess, the more complicated love story because it's kind of a, there, there's, it, they're, they're splintered by a difference of opinion, I guess, yeah. is the thing that, really, yeah. which is, I guess, I don't know, that could be worse or not as bad as, uh, as, I don't know, it depends on your point of view, I suppose. Um, yeah. And Moon, Oh, what were you going to say, Kenny? I know, I was just going to say, like, it's funny because, like, she keeps repeating, oh, why didn't you block my sword? And I was just like, well, <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, well, what, what's going to happen? Like, even if you did block your sword, are you going to keep fighting until you're exhausted and then everything's going to well, be fine? You're not going to have an issue anymore? <laughs> I think I think they were locked in a cycle where she didn't want to kill him. She just wanted to vent her anger at him. But she was never going to relinquish that anger. It was just going to be this sort of, you know, they would, they would have these clashes and he kind of put an end to it by, by letting her strike him. Um, you know, but that also was sort of, he was trying to, he was trying to, cause I think at the end she said something like, you know, you, you know, you, you only have this idea of the unified kingdom in your heart, not, uh, you know, not me. And he says, I have both in my heart. And, you know, so, so again, it was sort of you know love versus uh, you know the uh, state, I suppose. I don't know. It was. Uh, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure. It was like one of those questions that you know within the relationship, like one person asked the other like a trick question, or just just to get a rise out of them type of thing, just to see how they would react. And this is just like when when that sort of thing goes too far, and one of them ends up stabbing them in the gut. <laughs> I guess so. Well, and, and and again, these are assassins. These are people that are, are you know, trained to, to to kill, and they and they live a life of killing. And so, you know, I guess it makes sense that they would that something would get taken that far with them. Um, you know, if you're if you're playing around with swords like that, eventually somebody's going to get stabbed. And uh, <laughs> so, I don't know. Is there, is there anything else we haven't talked about in the movie? I, uh, I feel like we covered a lot, but I don't want to overlook anything important. Mm, no, I think we don't. I don't know. We, we, we talked about most of the important things. I mean, uh, what do you guys think about the structure of the story, I guess? Like the, 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 the fact that we were you know, given a version of the story in its entirety to start and then have it change throughout the course of the movie. 
I mean, I think it worked because I mean, it, it, you know, it keeps you interested. You don't feel like you're watching the same thing over and over again. Um, so it's not yeah. it's not redundant. It's not it's not like overly repetitive, even though they're going over similar uh, material. And it's and again, I think it would have been more annoying if it was actual different points of view being told rather than, you know, this is a lie. This is the king trying to figure it out. And then this is kind of what happened. Um, if it was, if it was literally points of view, then where they had to kind of do the same thing over and over and over again, then it might've been, I don't know. I, I do tend to get more annoyed at that as a viewer. And we did talk about, yeah, the, the pacing. Um, but how do you think this would compare to say a King Who movie in terms of how slow it feels? I think this is more languid than a King Who movie. Um, okay. Because this has the length, like this feels like, like I remember in the nineties watching a lot of foreign movies that felt like this, you know, not just, you know, Chinese movies, but like, you know, French movies and movie, you know, there was like a style that seemed to be in the air with, with, uh, with, with movies that were going to various film festivals. And, and this kind of matches that style. In my opinion, it's got that sort of like, it's not, it's not, it's not as extreme as those. It's definitely made for a more, like a bigger audience but the 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 way that the music kind of the music has a sense of weight to it it like pulls you down and and everything feels heavy and slow and in a king who movie he just is taking his time telling you know but 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 there are these punchy moments in it it's not it's just a very different vibe i guess i guess the only one that that i would compare it to is maybe a touch of zen um but even then, I feel like it's different because I feel like things are explained a little more concretely, and uh, and there, this this is there's something more amorphous about this movie to me. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Adam? Well, I've only seen one King Who movie, so I uh, <laughs> but, but based on based on that though the uh, the Dragon Inn one. Uh, I would yeah, I would say the Dragon Inn one was definitely faster paced than this. I mean, well, it's just, it's just the sense of it. It just has. I mean, it's it's. I, you know, I mean, I, I think we talked about how it felt a lot like a western and so on. I mean, it just has that that feeling of momentum in a way and, and building yeah. towards something. Whereas this is this is kind of deconstructing a story, so it's just it just doesn't feel like the same that, kind of thing at all. Yeah, Dragon Inn was slow the way the good, the bad, and the ugly is slow. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good, this was slow the way, like, watching something that wouldn't normally be a movie is slow, do you know what I mean, like, like, it's, 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 it's hard to, it just sort of feels like, uh, there are a lot of scenes where you're kind of looking at the curtains, do you know what I mean, in this movie, like, that's, that's kind of how I would describe it, um, mm-hmm. like you were saying, like you were saying, Kenny, like, you, you watch this to see the colors, to see the, you know, um, I mean, with King Who, you do that. You, you watch to see the, the visual sort of, there is like a paint, there's kind of like a degree of painting going on. But, um, but I think there's also, it, it, there's like a, there's a little bit more, uh, like of a Western vibe with that stuff. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'd, I'd have to, I'd have to probably watch Touch of Zen again to really, you know, side by side. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, but uh, I guess the other thing is, what about the CGI? Because 
that was one of the things I was wondering going in is, oh, it's been a quite a few years since this came out. And CGI is one of those things that you tend to notice when uh, when it's when, you know, it's been a long time. Uh, did do you feel that the CGI held up? Did it did it did did it did any of the CGI fall down just because of the, the period that it was made? I, the arrows. Were, mm, I guess there was just so many of them. It wasn't just it wasn't feasible for them to be like entirely realistic. So it, some of the volleys of arrows were quite sketchy, I'd say. Yeah, they were the only time in the movie I thought about CGI. Other than that, I, I just was just kind of watching the movie. But yeah, it definitely entered my brain that those things were were, were computer animated objects on the screen. The the time that it like that it kind of bothered me was when Jet Li went through the water droplets and the water droplets looked very computer generated. Oh um, yeah, you know, that was the <laughs> that was true. the one time. Like the arrows, I noticed too, but I could kind of like the arrows, I could sort of accept, but the water droplets, I just couldn't. I couldn't go anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was fine. I I, I, I recognized with the water droplets, but I was I was enough in the moment mm-hmm. that it didn't uh, didn't get me. But uh, yeah, the arrows. Yeah, so I know what you're saying, but uh, but yeah, so so I don't know. I think that's I think that's everything. Um, the uh, the oh, I should I should Ooh, men- oh, there's one thing ahead. I wanted to talk about, uh, or at least mention. Uh, it's like an honorable shout out to the calligraphy teacher guy, uh, who was like <laughs> writing in the midst of that arrow storm. Like uh, that guy is pretty badass. That, <laughs> like, that was a very cool scene. That 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 was yeah. Uh, it was a kind of sort of they may take our lives sort of sort of scene where, you know, you know, our, you know, what did he say? They, they could destroy we'll our cities, the... but they won't be able to destroy our 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 like our writing or our uh, our last ironic week. because they did destroy the writing. <laughs> oh, I know. I was thinking that. But yeah, I was like, today you'll learn the true value of calligraphy. Well, Until you've died and left something but, behind, you aren't a true calligrapher. But what's also <laughs> funny about that scene is that is the um, that is the lie. That is the scene that didn't happen. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Who's, who's who's that was the original. That was the red person. scene. Yeah, oh, that was the red scene. Yeah, yeah. Scene, it's not just him. It's all the students are going. They're all sort of sitting there. They're 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 doing their calligraphy and the arrows are raining down and they're getting stabbed and they're getting it's pierced a, by the arrows and you know, a, I gave the emperor the idea he's going and then he said they can never destroy our books the emperor's <laughs> thinking oh I bet I could <laughs> yeah all all this talk of this calligraphy school is giving me an idea uh, so but uh but yeah oh the other thing I did want to say is um on the the DVD version I have which is uh, I think it's the the one that Miramax put put out uh quite some time ago but they uh it's like the metal canister version the the dubs on that one are actually quite good the the dubs mm-hmm. I don't know for sure cuz I wasn't able to figure out I didn't I couldn't find like a a casting list of who recorded the dubs I think a lot of the actors from the original movie recorded their characters in English. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but it, it seemed like it. Um, and it was, it, I thought that it was, uh, it was, it was one of the better dubs I, I, I'd heard. Um, the, the subtitles are, you know, good too, but, but, uh, but this is one where I would say, I think the dub is actually pretty good. Um, so yeah, so actually that's a good like one, one thing about the the subtitle sometimes translations is uh, the word um, that Broken Sky uh, the two characters that he writes for um, Nameless like 
it's Tiansha, which is like all under heaven, which is translated as our land. And I'm not really sure that that's like. I think I've, I've spoken about this to, to other people in the past when the moment we talk about this movie. It's like our our land is like a, a really weird way to translate it. Like, it seems like a very American way. To, it's like a yeah. Uh, I, I, it's I, it's I, very propaganda. Well, there were, I know there was a lot of controversy around that translation. Um, I guess the the challenge is in that year, Tianxia probably didn't have a whole lot of meaning in, in, in English-speaking countries, so that would have been the difficulty. But I suppose they could have added in some explanation in the in the subtitle, like in parentheses, and it would have been fine. So, uh, But yeah, I, I feel like our land doesn't really capture the the range of... Oh, all of yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's... It's because it is kind of because I remember when I, uh, you know, when you see it and 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 there's that scene where he paints it in the sand and 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 it's sort of like, ah, this is sort of this big, meaningful thing. And all it is, is our land. It's not a it doesn't it's like, why would somebody have such a change of viewpoint over over that? It seems it seems like very little. But uh, but there's a lot there's a lot more embedded in, in Tian Sha. So. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the main one that comes to mind is that Tian Sha is, like, all-encompassing. Yeah. So it's sort of like Broken Sword's way of telling names to consider the the bigger picture. Yeah. As opposed to our land, it's like, think about, like, our land, like, they're both from Tao, so are they supposed to be thinking about Tao? Like, I don't know, it's just a little bit of ambiguity there that I think it, it, that the choice of translation doesn't quite capture the meaning properly there, but it's just something I wanted to mention quickly. So um so yeah so uh so I guess we'll we'll end it there because it's been precisely an hour and uh and uh next week we're gonna do House of Flying Daggers which which I I of the three I have to admit that's my favorite one um but uh but so we'll, we'll be back on Friday with with House of Flying Daggers and uh me and Adam will be up this weekend with um with some some more Return of Condor Heroes and I think we might have a gab- game lab coming up but I I gotta sort that out and find out. And uh, and yeah, so we'll 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 be back on, and we'll talk to you later. Bye.